I love your hair, I love your name, I love the way you say it. I love your heart and you're so smart cause you gave away it. I love your sis, I love your dad, I love your mom. But more than all of that, I love the fact that you are dumb enough to not realize everything I've said has been said before in a thousand ways, in a thousand songs, sung with the same four chords, but you'll still love it and let me finger you. Yeah, finger you, finger you. Hello, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, one William Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, and speaking of early 40s curmudgeons, I'm joined by... Yeah, I am Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, Bill... When we started this podcast, we were both 41, right? Yes, yes. And as of today, we are both 40. Guys, the, uh, the the dark perihelion of us being different ages is now over. The, the, the planets have gone back to their original alignment, and we are both yes. 43 now. So you Both could, 43. It's cool. It's cool, everybody. You can rest easy. That anxiety you've been feeling for a while, gone. Well, the, the y, I, I, I call it Y2NT. You know, like the same panic <laughs> okay. that was uh, built up for the thing a few years back. Same panic. Uh, the millions who, who, who listen to our show. But speaking of millions of people who listen and watch stuff on the oh, internet, man. that takes us to our topic today. Bill, what is the topic of this week's edition of I Don't Get It, the Pop Culture Get Off My Mind? We podcast? are talking about Bob Earnham. Oh, wait, nope, that's a that's a typo. It's Bo... No, it's... it's Bo- Bo, uh, no, it's short for short for Boris. Boris. Boris Burnham. It's Haribo. No, it's he was uh, the heir to the no. gummy fortune. Uh, his name is no. This is Bo, <laughs> Bo Burnham. We're looking at Bo Burnham yeah. people. That's Bo what Burnham. we're getting. We're getting at. We're we're, we're easing into it. We're, get, we're, we're getting. We're getting there. there. So uh, Bo Burnham is a Boston area bred comedian, singer, songwriter, musician, rapper, actor, director, screenwriter, poet, Supreme Court justice nominee, astronaut, yeah. uh, F sixteen pilot, yeah. wildcat. Oil yeah. Derek Driller. Uh, he began his performance career as a YouTube dude in March of 06. His videos have been viewed over. Well, I think it's important to say he was what, like 16 at the time. 15. I, I, I you know, young. I just sort of I was understanding that that might be implicit. But yeah, I guess you're right. He's a, he's yeah, he he's only 27 this year. So you do the math, uh, people, as they say in in comedy. His videos have been viewed a collective 228 million times. He signed a four year deal with Comedy Central to release his first actual album, making the jump from virtual to actual in 2008. His first album was called Bofo Show because that's the state of the art for comedy. His first full-length <laughs> album was called Bo Burnham. It was released the next year in 2008. I think the first album was just songs. This one was actually like a comedy set in the traditional way you expect it to be. Uh, in 2010, right. he did a second album called Words, Words, Words. It was a live comedy special aired on Comedy Central for the first time. Third album came out in uh, 2013 called What Period with lowercase w very A.A. A. Milne. No, you're thinking, you're thinking E. Okay, Cummings. you know what I mean. E. Cummings, thank you. I, well, I know what you well, mean. Now America does too. It, it's not like he told jokes about Winnie the Pooh. Man. <laughs> Uh, What's the deal with Eeyore, huh? I can't believe That guy always likes honey. What's the deal with that guy? What's the deal with Uh, So his third stand-up special is called Make Happy. That was released uh, on Netflix exclusively. So he kind of jumped the the thing from Comedy Central to Netflix, apparently cashing in on this great new world we live in. That came out in 2016. And the thing is, he's got big eyes. So he has this empire... 
that is built on comedy, and he's he's branched out to an MTV television series he co-created and starred in called Zack Stone is going to be famous. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert. It only lasted one month. Yeah, spoiler alert. I didn't watch any of that. So when I-, I watched two clips from it, and I, in advance of my opinion, it was definitely the worst <laughs> of all the things of his Good. I watched. It was the only thing of his I watched that I hated. That's the... The, comp- so, the comprehensive continue. Noah, that's all you're going to hear. So you're going to have to sit with that, everybody. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm checking So we're out. talking to him in particular today, this week, because his movie Eighth Grade came out on uh, Friday the 13th. <clears throat> and it's his first stab at movie stardom. So it's all the things that he's been doing in any kind of broadcast medium. He got a lot of money or, you know, enough money to put together a feature shot in uh, right outside the city. I think it was in Westchester or Scarsdale or something like that. And it's a pretty modest story about the age group that I believe he appeals to the most. I feel like there's the significance to why did he make a movie called Eighth Grade? In addition to whatever it is this guy talks about on stage, I think he very much vibes with the teenage affect and his audience are teenagers that he schnookered at that certain age that have stuck with him. They've, they've grown up with him. But eighth grade, I think, has the significance we're probably going to get, gonna get into in, in, along the way here. Uh, so with that as an intro, Noah, I'm going to ask you, what do you make of this guy, Bob uh, Earnham? Two clarifications, I think, to add to what you said. First of all, eighth grade is his film, but he doesn't, I don't believe he appears in it at all. He directs it, right? Yes, yes. He's a writer and director. Oh, and he wrote it. Yes. So... I think that in and of itself is noteworthy because the expectation would be a guy like this would star in a movie before he moved into directing. Also, it, it looks more like a dramedy than it looks like it's pitched as almost a completely different genre from what his comedy is. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting far away. The other point of clarification I want to make about your explanation about the movie is you just said outside the city. You mean outside New York yes, City. Yes, New York City. Yes, there you go. The okay, so what do you think of this Sorry. guy? Let's get back on the topic here. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Okay. He's a talented guy. Very talented. I will say that. Very talented. Pretty funny. Uh, You know, he's been at it a while, as young as he is, that you indicated, and he's almost gone through a few phases. Other than an MTV show, which just was like nails on a chalkboard. I just think whoever put that together was asleep at the switch. He's really a very talented, smart, comedically gifted person. He's got it together and he he understood how to use this medium of the YouTube video. You know, I watched this thing, this little round table show from 2010. So he's only 20. And it's him sitting around with, uh, it's a show hosted by Paul Provenza. And him sitting around with Judd Apatow and Gary Shandling and Mark Maron and Ray Romano. And they're talking about comedy and he says how people criticize him because he didn't come up through the clubs, right? He's barely spent any time in a comedy club. People are like, oh, you didn't earn it. But he makes a point. He's like, I never got heckled at a comedy club, but like read some of the comments on my YouTube videos. You know, he is very emblematic of how comedy has fundamentally changed. He, and he understands that. And I think his his videos, even his early videos, show a good understanding of what people are looking for in that form. And quite optimistically, I will say, it's not just like these like smosh and all this other junk we talked about before it isn't just hey just like jump around like a monkey and say something random and everyone will laugh on the internet because you know this is a medium where nothing matters anymore his his work really has some meat to it both comedic and frankly intellectually i mean he's he's quite good with wordplay i mean some of his stuff is very dense like really you have to parse it he's not my favorite thing i think a little of him goes a long way i listen to him doing two songs and i'm kind of done uh in terms of like liking to hear his voice and his persona he's pretty good so you know Props to this guy, like Bo Burham, go for it. And eighth grade looks terrific from the preview. 
Uh, it looks, it's not just that it's about a kid, it's about an eighth, eighth grade girl, which is a perspective we don't see enough. And in all her flaws and foibles, the character seems very real from what I can tell. So uh, there seems to be a boldness there that I admire. So I'm looking forward to seeing the movie and hopefully the movie's as good as the preview makes it look. Interesting. But what do you think, Bill? You know, I'm not a fan. And, really? Um, I never really wanted to be a comedian myself, but I've always been an armchair comedian. I really like the culture of comedy, accepting right. the weird f- fucking machismo rape culture that is so inherent in it. I mean, purely the idea of comedy as a pursuit. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a purist and I have no reason to be, but, you know, sue me. I'm, I'm 43. This is just the way I grew up. Blame my parents. But <laughs> to see somebody jump the line, again, you know, we're... We keep talking about these YouTube cases in this show. It comes over and over again. You know, that people could disregard the traditional footpaths to uh, stardom and or success in a lot of different audiovisual media. And, you know, we're seeing that, I think, you know, like you said perfectly, none of it none of it makes sense, none of it matters. There's kind of like, you know, a deterioration or a complete abrogation of the way in which things were done. The traditional senses have all been burned away with acid and all that's left is this weird flat <laughs> wild west or everyone's, you know, charging to the to the flag that's got to be fine because it's not going to change anytime soon this is the new world you know there's no such thing as institutional memory or legacy and that's just just the way it is however i kind of feel like this guy's material i understand what you're saying there's an intellectual rigorousness to the to the kid he is he's put in many many hours of, of practice and there's an innate inborn talent that this yeah. guy has soaked into his bones. He was, I want to say, like an art school drama kid. He went to a pretty Tony private school up in, um, outside of Boston. And, you know, he was ready to go to NYU for like the special theater school or something like that. And he deferred enrollment because he graduated to YouTube. He didn't need to go to NYU because he apparently figured out what he needed to by doing hours and hours and hours of video. On its sense, that he's kind of a self-made guy. And that's the whole point of the YouTube thing is that you jump the line. You don't have to come up in the clubs. I personally prefer the sensibility of those people who did and you can refer back to the Aziz Ansari episode which I think might have been the one time we covered comedy qua comedy as almost like a pure exploit in addition right. to the show but we really did talk about the, the politics of stand-up and the way people come up in that right. sort of thing I really appreciate that and granted that maybe it's just that's just grandpa's uh, version of the story you know this is just what I what could I possibly know about YouTube other than you know jumping around like a monkey that's a lot a lot of this stuff looks like to me I give credit for the talent and he's you know, he's, he's a multi-instrumentalist he's seems i don't yes. know he be self-taught but he has a lot of musicality he clearly has a facility with the uh, piano and guitar and songwriting you know and, and not yeah. just it's songwriting in the very it's a little bit of a fusion between like a tom lehrer and a weird al <laughs> and also like steven yeah. sondheim it's it's a theatrical form of singing that doesn't really rely on like a rock and roll riff it has more to do with performance it's like you're watching somebody at a broadway musical that is being that it's the road show in san diego of like mama right. mia that's the kind of he, he he mashes up a lot of different things. Sure. And a lot of this might be, I watched all the videos out of order. So he's gone through phases. I saw a bit he did on, st- uh, he did a stand-up bit on Conan, and it was like pure absurdism, mm-hmm. right? Like absurdist yeah. jokes. Yeah, I think I in saw fact, that, yeah. He told a few jokes that I remember hearing back in my days when I really liked absurd stand-up, so. Yeah. Whatever, I heard him in open mic, so I don't think he stole them. I, I think it's, um, a, it's a heavily uh, musical theater-based thing. I think that's kind of maybe where he well, starts. Well, there's that too. Uh, you know, the kind of old-time showman thing 
but with this edge of modern cynicism to it. And then, and I think you saw this more early on, he is sort of a master, well, master, fine, of the art of taking really hacky, cliched comedy ideas, e.g. talking about really filthy stuff in like a Stephen Sondheim piano way. Yeah. Uh, That's a little hacky, uh, making jokes about really like dirty stuff, like child abuse. I mean, he's been protested at a few places because they find his act so like offensive. And like, you know, imitating a Kanye West act, but doing it about his insecurity and eating Pringles. I think some of this stuff is kind of hacky, but he takes the hack concept and makes spins gold out of it. Interesting. Wow. I think you're being very charitable with this guy because maybe, well, well, I I don't mean gold. Like it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but like, it's not shit. I'm going to say, I just feel like if you've seen comedy, you've seen everything this guy's done and I'm not trying to take away anything he's done, but this is like, I'm sure he's gone back and listened to many, many hours of old comedy, but I know his audience hasn't. He's lauded as a visionary comedian and a performer. I feel like I've heard everything he's saying already said before. I heard it back in the 80s. I heard it in the 90s. I heard it in the 2000s. He may know where this stuff's come from. You know, he mm-hmm. may understand that he's walking in the footpath of Carlin or Pryor. And I mean, he's not there yet, but I'm saying that that's he's trying to be that kind of comedian. You know, he's mixing the observational, which the observational mm-hmm. was done to death in the 90s and 2000s. And he's an observational comic for, for uh, millennia. That's my point. I don't think he's a Carlin or a Pryor. I think... He is the version of stuff we've seen before of the modern era. So yeah, that's perfect. Right. That's exactly and, what I'm And to I say. think that's important and good. We'll get to the sign of the apocalypse. I think he's not a sign of the apocalypse because it's nice that the version of this stuff for the modern era is done by someone with some cleverness, some thought, some intellect, some effort. And I see room for him to grow. Most of his flaws I can chalk up to him being young. I'm not going to have room for something he did on YouTube when he was 16. Right. And it might not even be him because there's this real ambition to him. There's this, yeah. uh, you know, he looks like a, an ape racking in the jungle. He's just, you know, literally eating up territory. He's just swinging from branch to branch, moving very quickly. And it's not like he hasn't worked to sort of get to where he is, but I kind of feel like he's getting undue credit. It's as if you're inventing jokes that he's getting the credit for without saying, no, somebody already invented those. Those were already extant. Those yes, points have been made. Way, this is the way culture works. I mean, everything's been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. No, but, everything's but, yes. been done before. The, the pioneers are the people who who recreate it for a new era. We can't expect kids these days to worship Carlin and Pryor. I'm sorry. It's just time has passed. No, no one no, we, freaking remembers we Dan Rice, but, the greatest American comedian of the 1880s. But like, I'm sure there were people <laughs> I, in the 1910s who were like, oh, this, this chap, 1920s, this Chaplin fellow is ripping off Dan Rice. You know, I have all of Dan Rice's original wax cylinders, yeah, my friend. I'm sure you do. Now I don't know if all Boy Scouts are gays They could probably tie the knot in like 50 different ways Got a safe full of cherries cause I pop it and lock it A girl's like a fridge, once a week you should stock it Girl, if you're into rimming, it's only safe if you're swimming And girl, don't sit on that couch cause I treat my objects like women Why do you think Bo Burnham has caught on? Why do you think he has 8 billion YouTube followers? Why do you think he's the hottest comedian in the last few years? He won some award at Montreal Just for Laughs Why is the Bo Burnham formula hit pay dirt to mix a metaphor. It's a lot of overlap between a guy who is vigorous enough, a guy who is canny enough, 
a guy who has a great business sense, somebody who has the chops to make an act, to update the act, you know, to throw the old act out, make a new act, and have it be substantially different. You know, Jerry Seinfeld's comedy has pretty much been the same joke variations for the last 35, 40 right. years. People just want to hear that note p- played over and over again. Bo Burnham doesn't do that. He gives you a completely new act with almost like a whole new sensibility from album to album, such as the privilege of being 27 is that you get to grow up on camera in front of you. But I think that he built an audience when he was younger. He hit YouTube when the price was right. He built an audience that were the same age as him, so now his audience is 25 or older. Not ex- Exclusively, of course, but they grew up with him, and so you feel like this is our guy. And a lot of people from our generation used to feel the way about Kevin Smith. He, Kevin Smith, developed this culty. <laughs> no, seriously, he developed this culty thing that oh, came up. God. People from- who thought they were friends with Kevin Smith when they were seventeen, and they still stick with him no matter what, because there's this uh, friend. And of course, Kevin Smith does the outreach. You know, he's practically one of us. You know, he goes online and he shakes a lot of hands, and he, he you know, he d- does the work to maintain the audience. I think Bo Burnham is more. Uh, intellectually hungry and a little more discerning than that. Uh, Kevin yeah, Smith in particular. He also projects this angst. He also... Right. His act is filled with self-deprecation. Yeah. His, his voice is very adenoidal. It's a little high-pitched. He's non-threatening. And one of the yeah. things I'm willing... To, one of the things I'm willing to bet, first of all, and, and he's tall and thin and like wears a really baggy like white undershirt and he's very pale and he's got a shock of blonde hair that's frequently bangs, Bieber style. Yeah, yeah. He is a he's soft- clearly He's clearly seen a, a stylist in the last few years. Yes. That's very yeah. clear from his more recent appearances. I think that the, even though he's tall, I think there's something very non-threatening and there's still oh, totally, this totally. perfect boyfriend thing where you, like, yeah. you want to idealize him as a non-sexual creature Creature, someone who is non-rapey, non-scary, non-threatening, and yet dreamy in it almost like a chaste teenager kind of way. Everything about him screams, like his personage, I'm saying, screams sensitive, dreamy, inoffensive. Yeah. And so yeah. there's he, a lot you could do with that for, for every every gender or, you know, for anyone who's looking. There's, there's sort of a salad bar of what you want inside this guy, which could explain why. I agree. I think, you know, why he's popular, it's it's the things we sit at. He's, he's got talent. He's got brains. He's a hard worker, musical talent. Uh, I think he has an innate star power. He's comfortable in front of a camera. Uh, you mentioned that he doesn't take himself seriously, self-deprecating. I think he very much uh, embraces the problematic elements of his work. Even his earliest videos, he does this song about, it's called like The Perfect Woman, and he talks about how he dates Helen Keller and she's the perfect woman. And they're kind of cheap jokes, but this is what I mean about like he spins gold out of cheap stuff. You know, like she didn't mind that the zits on my back, it gave her something to read. But even now, like I'm sure some people are like that's not appropriate he like he would say a line like that then he would give this look to the camera like ah that's a little tricky a cheap way of compensating for that but a fine way when you're 16 and you're making a video in your bedroom so I think that's and like you say he has this regular guy thing he's a He's a very modernly attuned vision of masculinity. He's got the kind of voice and the persona that decades ago people would have called him queer. And, you know, in the world of idiocracy, people would have called him a fag. Just because he, he speaks in a certain way that is not traditionally masculine. But to anyone yeah. modern these days, he doesn't seem gay. To a modern view of masculinity and strength, he seems perfectly... He seems handsome and dashing. Society at large, our standards of sexiness have shifted in that direction. And I think that's a lot of what fuels the anger of a lot of white males on the right is they feel their power is slipping away because the the figure that they struck is no longer considered the gold standard of being being a real man. 
Like people are like that's not a the real figure man they think they struck. Yeah, right, right. A real man isn't someone who beats the crap out of his wife. You pointed me towards this video, the philosophy of Bo Burnham, and they get mm. at something that I think was mostly accurate. That he kind of embodies a post postmodern view of comedy. That he's got this very absurdist element. He's got these super absurdist jokes where he's saying haikus and banging on a triangle and and singing a song where the chorus goes. I don't like catchy choruses and I'm a hypocrite. You know, I mean, I'm not doing the tune there, but you get it? Ha ha. So he has a lot of absurdism. This is stuff like, and the video points this out, Bojack Horseman. You know, we've got to a point where the super absurdist, like it doesn't matter anymore stuff, has this undercurrent of things that are important in real life. And I think we've come out the other side of absurdism and postmodernism where we need some truth with that. And I think that's a positive sign. Guys, I'm a realist. I try to romanticize reality. You know, like when life gives you lemons, honestly, you found lemons. When life gets you down, you know, make a comforter. But at the same time, I don't deny the beauty in the world, guys, because there's so much beauty, because life, life can be so symmetrical that gives birth to this almost silent poetry, you know, like a hermaphrodite playing the guitar, or a young Amish boy trying to blow out the light bulbs on his birthday cake, or, or a girl who's terrible at grammar saying, Mama, you raised me good, and then being pushed on a well. Guys, Look back in time, peel the veil of years back. Would you have liked Bo Burnham when you were a kid? Yes, because I would have aspired to be him. Uh, I'll get to this in the next question, but I did aspire to be him. So I think I would have admired him, looked up to him. Similar like what I said when we were talking about Jimmy Fallon. Like I knew that been... name was going to come up, by the well, way. Well, we'll get at that in the jealousy up. question, too. All right. Yeah, I would have admired him very much. Maybe my jealousy would have overpowered my admiration. You know, maybe I'm a little more self-possessed now that I'm able to put some jealousy aside. Yeah, I think I would have said, this guy's got it, and this is who I want to be, and I'm a Bo Burnham guy. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have done him. What about uh, you? It's actually difficult because this requires—I can think about the kind of comedy I liked, and I don't think that his lifestyle, the, the sort of—whatever that picture of his personality is that people seem to slavishly hook on to. You know, you're, you're following the cult of Bo Burnham— there weren't very many comedians whose cult I subscribed to. I enjoyed yeah. the material, but I enjoyed a lot of guys' material. But I think cult implies that there's nothing behind it. Cult implies people believe this because it's infallible. He has way more to give people in actual content and quality. I mean, this guy's clever. Even when he was a kid, what was this joke I wrote down? I was amazed by this. Uh, he, the song's New Math, a bag of chips... Divided by five equals a sweatshop worker's meal. If if you multiply Santa Claus times I, does that make him real? That's really smart. Yeah, sure. I, Look, I, I gotta I, give props I, to that. All I'm saying is the idea of you can like something and then you could give over to it entirely. This is the difference between people who went to go see uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, had a reaction to it, went home, fine. Or the people who saw Star Wars: The Last Jedi said, "I am the protector of the flame," yeah, and so I've made it my job. Bob, for the next six months to Ugh. make sure Kathleen Kennedy knows oh. that she's a disgusting human being. Oh, that's the difference, is that Bo Burnham, you, oh. could, you could just listen to the jokes and that's fine, and it's like, it goes away. Do I think that those jokes would have been so great? You know, I feel like because the comedy is, I'm missing the comedy now, it's going right by me, because it doesn't say much to me about the way I live or questions that I've really ever had. I mean, and I feel like I've heard, you know, the guy at the piano, I was going to digress here, the guy at the piano is kind of a tired trope. You know, we used to, back in the early 2000s, make fun of the guitar comedian 
and we knew a right. bunch of them. As like, oh, that's hack work. You need a guitar to sell jokes. You know, you, you're just selling songs and there's, you know, go go be a musical theater guy if you want to do that. This is stand-up for people who work on jokes. And yet now that, again, that doesn't mean anything anymore. The idea that somebody plays an instrument on stage as a heavy portion is not a crutch or something to, you know, deride him for. It's just now part of the business and we've given over to it. Something that would have seemed as heretical 15 years ago is now cutting edge today. I think I would have blanched at the musical theater stuff because I just can't stand that type of cheeky, smug, self-satisfied tone of musical theater singing and and you know a lot of his jokes are smug and self-satisfied and i think like, there's a wink at the audience you know there's the irony built into the absurdity built into the postmodernism. Uh, i'm inclined to think no but i wouldn't have liked him but at the same time there is something he's speaking to the teenager in all in, in it i think more importantly he's he's asking questions and trying to answer them for his teenage audience which is why he's making this movie if i was that kid again you know my viewing habits are much different and it would have taken something vastly different to appeal to me and i feel like i would have looked at bo burnham the way i kind of think of him now is where he is mostly bolstered by a female fan base because he's dreamy and that a lot of the hard work granted he's clever but he hasn't had to work as hard as somebody who looks like um, Gilbert Gottfried and, and right. yes. have to sort of fight against all those other things. He has this natural blank check that he can just sort of show up as a non-threatening tall dude and just sort of collect adulation by the fact that he looks like the guy is supposed to look. That's what we, you know, we we want our cultural figures to look like him and he he's cashing right. in on it. Again, that's I'm not trying to take away any work he's done. I don't think it would appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to me now and I just, I'm looking back in time and I don't see any pull there either. Once a pirate minus the ship, just a creative homeless guy, and an anteater plus a large hungry mutant ant, an ironic way to die, and what's domain, domain range? A kid with too much in his pants, and two balls, a minus one, six titles at the Tour de France, the Tour de France, cancer. Is the success of Bo Burnham a sign of the apocalypse. Well, I think uh, attributing what you said before about how meaty his act is would, would give me the impression that no, uh, it's not a sign of the apocalypse because he's taking the time and the care to have these little ontological discussions with himself and then build jokes which I would say are kind of corny and hacky and not not complete you know and there's there's cursing there's profanity there's disgusting imagery there's disgusting sexuality and it's not like he's playing this uh, kids comedian with a guitar and a bow tie he's, he's getting in there and using the language as it's intended to be used by comedians and transgressions right. all those things no I don't think he's a sign of the apocalypse it's, this is just, I think, a case of his material doesn't land with me, and that's fine, man. There's been way more comedians who are huge whose material did not land with me. Or even at his age, just because I don't like what he's doing at 27 doesn't mean that I won't hear an album at 35 and say, oh, this guy turned the corner. I always think about this, is that, you know, comedians who stick around, who do the work, and I'm, I'm talking about club comedians, there's this moment where the good ones transform in front of you. They metamorphosize from something, a precursor form, into a beautiful butterfly. They somehow find what they're really good at. You know, he's already been good at this. Obviously, he's proven that... You 
you know, he doesn't need to improve for anybody other than himself. His, he's got his own meter and his own criteria that he's trying to establish. And, you know, that's what he's, that's who he's performing for. If everyone else likes it, that's great. It hasn't landed for me yet, but that doesn't mean that he's not great or has this added gear inside of him he can kick up to. If he is part of the vanguard of these comedians who are keeping comedy not just alive, but at the front of popular culture, where comedy isn't just a dark thing relegated to a smoky basement, but it has, is being mm. put out in these pastel colors uh, amongst younger people who live in a suburban world where everyone sounds like California Valley Girls, then <laughs> no, it's not It's not a bad thing. And it's a yeah. transformation. You know, it's like whether we like it or not, he yeah. is part of the vanguard dragging comedy into a much different place than the way we yeah. knew it. That's inevitable. And we have no say in that. Anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is an example the opposite of the Armageddon in fact it makes me feel a lot better about things because it I, I said before it, it proves to us that these new media that might seem intractably awful from a 43 year old point of view have potential to be thoughtful and funny and smart you can do YouTube bedroom comedy videos that aren't just idiots saying random things the internet is more than cute cat pictures and someone raising money to make potato salad yeah but th um, this is what it was supposed to be i mean yeah i, I agree with you but this well but but it's but it took over it's not what i know it no i know but it we were sold a bill of goods as if like oh what we could expect is this grand vista remember i i don't know if you brought this up i feel like this is a noah thing when Maybe. people would say when tv started everyone said oh, oh yeah. you know what we'll do we'll teach latin we'll use the tv to educate yeah, people yeah the tv and, will be a great educator all these media it's like this is going to change the world for the better. And then it just becomes a new way for people to jerk off, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> That's what it all is. <laughs> um, everything. I think cave paintings probably started as, hey, I'm going to draw pictures of boobs, you know? Um, and dicks. And dicks. And antlers dicks. They on probably, elks. They probably drew a lot of penises. No, this is not the Armageddon because he, he's taken this medium that felt both awful and ubiquitous and made it into something that is thoughtful and funny and smart and i think this guy i agree with you you might not like his act now but i would be far from surprised if he releases a movie in three years five years ten years that you think is is sheer brilliance and i think this guy has the potential to deliver what you crave mm -hmm. yeah. it's like the white castle of <laughs> Bow, 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 oh my god. Mr. Burnham. Bow, bow, Fag. bow, oh my god. Mr. Burnham. Bow, bow, Fag. bow, oh my god. Mr. Burnham. Bow, bow, Fag. bow, oh my god. Mr. Burnham. Bow, bow, Fag. bow, oh my god. Mr. Fag. Mr. Mr. Fag. No, we always finish off with this, and uh, I yeah. think we, it was headed to this, our, is our dislike, or... I don't know, or like, whatever it is, is it based in jealousy? I'm going to quiz you a little, Bill. I, oh, okay. I'm as ready. I was watching clips of Bo Burnham, I was thinking like, oh, he reminds me of this comedian, that comedian, this comedian. And I, I had four names that stood out the most. I want to see if you can guess any of them. Who were the comedians he most reminded me of? Boy, you know, since you're the one Let asking, me know if you want any clues. Yeah, I, I will want some clues. But since you're the one asking this question, this, yeah. could, be, this could be a pretty rangy list. You know, this could be for everyone yeah. from Jamie Farr to, um, you know, right. Jose Jimenez, for Christ's sake. All, All right. right. Well, here, here are the clues. There are four categories here. The, each one kind of sort of represents an aspect. One represents the absurdism. One represents the way he takes dirty topics and freshens them up. One represents the way he takes the classic wacky showman thing and gives it an undercurrent 
of anger and personal affectation. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, I think, synthesizes all those things. Interesting. So see if you can guess any of them. Well, you know, funny, when you started mentioning this, I, I thought, oh, you're going to- And all get- stand-ups, by the way, all not Jamie Farr. Well, I, I was struck with, you know, there's a little bit of the Stephen Wright thing for the absurdism. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's who you're thinking of. but uh, Dimitri- I was not thinking of him. But yeah, Dim- Dimitri Martin so struck me. He hits that note. Too. I thought of Dimitri Martin, too, but Dimitri Martin never reached the level that he would make it onto a list like this. Okay, and so The Showman, that's a good question. You know, and you brought up Jimmy Fallon. Part of me thought the Jimmy Fallon thing with the Jimmy Fallon's flop sweat, that... that- the naked need to be loved, you know, where he just can't hack when someone who yeah. someone else might be laughed at because it's a zero sum game. I don't think this yeah. kid has that. But there no. is this idea that he's obviously braying for some affection. You know, what what he gets from being on stage, this is very important to him. But I don't I think, don't agree. I don't no? agree. I think he has a confidence and a strength mm-hmm. that I don't see in Jimmy Fallon's desperateness. Who's the All veritable right. Shazam that uh, that gets uh, built into making this kid when All he right. says the so magic you're, word? You're just, you're just giving up, right? Yeah, I am just up. I am just giving up, yeah. So in terms of absurdism, he reminds me of Emo Phillips. Remember Emo Phillips? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. The cheap tactics done cleverly mm-hmm. is actually a hallmark of a lot of female comedians, okay. I think. So I thought of Sarah Silverman because Sarah Silverman does something I saw so many f- women do with all the open mics I went to when I was a stand-up, which is you get out there, you're cute, or maybe you're even hot, and you just start talking about blowjobs and taking a dump and stuff like that. And people start laughing because it tickles you to see a woman, a hot woman, a sexy woman, talk about these taboo topics. The slightly absurd showman with the undercurrent of darkness. And by the way, this is the person I think, if I had to pick one person that Bo Burnham reminds me of, is Steve Martin. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved Steve Martin. Steve Martin had this album in 1979 called Let's Get Small that sold like 8 billion copies. I don't know if you ever heard it, but yeah. I, I still have it on vinyl somewhere. And playing the banjo, he was a musician. He would do these absurd... Uh, I like to start every show by doing one thing that is impossible, so I'm going to suck this piano into my lungs. I also think uh, Steve Martin was in tune with the times, sort of the post-hippie irony kind of thing. Like, we both want to get back to an earlier time, but we're moving forward. That's sort of the classic showman idea. I see a lot of Steve Martin in both. Okay, I'll go there too. That's a good good comparison. Yeah. And the final comedian who reminded me of Bo Burnham, in his love of wordplay, in his way that I... I'm a regular guy. I'm the new masculinity. I'm unthreatening, but self-deprecating. I want to be a classic showman. I want to be absurd. And also I have this air of juvenility to my act that I'm hopefully growing out of, is a comedian who worked in New York for about three years in the early 2000s. And his name is Noah Targo. (laughs) So this is why I bring it up when we talk about the jealousy. Bo Burnham is almost exactly the comedian I was trying to be. Now, Bo Burnham is more talented than I was. I would argue that Bo Burnham, from what I can tell, maybe not, seems to have worked harder than I did. I also think he's luckier than I am in many ways because YouTube wasn't around when I was doing this. Well, certainly when I was a teenager. And, I mean, my comedy when I was a teenager wasn't as good as Bo Burnham's comedy as a teenager. It wasn't as good as my comedy when I was in my 20s. But it wasn't designed for a screen. It wasn't designed to be shared in a small format. It's just a conceptual difference i think he is almost exactly the comedian i wanted to be that is a very long way of saying i am very jealous of him okay yeah yeah no that, <laughs> there it is so here are the comedians emo phillips sarah silverman steve martin and me 
And Dimitri Martin doesn't qualify because he wasn't big enough, but I was. Um, well, as far as our podcast is concerned, yes, I was. Yes, so I think that brings us to another examination of popular culture. We have looked at Bo Burnham and we have seen uh, Noah Tarno inside his shimmering blue eyes. Yeah. If you would like to find past episodes of this <laughs> program. <laughs> or learn more about Noah Tarno, whoever the hell to, If you is, want to so. reach into the deep, unknowable abyss of Noah Tarno, you, you want to listen yeah. to to like all 54 uh, episodes of this podcast so you get a good a good version of the guy you want the whole thing together so you can find us on apple music itunes thing whatever that fucking shit's called these days uh soundcloud google <laughs> wow Play. you're in a mood man you are something something's in your bonnet no no just, just don't change your names you got a good thing going why are you fucking around with this okay That's ridiculous. Thank you. uh tweet to us at noah and bill show write to us noah and bill don't get it gmail.com visit i don't get it podcast uh we're still Shaking the hat for those reviews, kind sir. Ah, please, yep. it would really help us get through this cold night if you gave us a review. Not just a rating, but a review, sir. Just just a couple of words. Be, oh, we'd be much obliged. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I am on Twitter, at William Scurry. That's where I'm doing most of my online social media business. Find me there. And YouTube, A.M. Caesar. This guy, Noah Tarno, is going to speak now and yes. tell you things. You cannot see my stand-up act. Stop watching. <laughs> it exists somewhere in a VHS cassette. So that's all you're going to get. These days, I run a company called The Big Quiz Thing. We do huge trivia game show spectaculars for corporate and private events all over the country. Learn more at bigquizthing.com. Get a free consultation. Uh, we also post uh, a lot of trivia at Big Quiz Thing, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, I am at Noah Tarno on Twitter, where occasionally I say something of some minor amount of pith. Uh, all right, everyone. So until the next action-packed episode uh, where we're talking about, uh, we don't even know what we're talking about yet, but it'll, it'll be, you know, it'll be great. Just come back. I swear you're going to love it. If you like this, you're going to like what we have. You're sounding a little desperate, though. Let's cut it off. Just... All right. This has been I Don't Get It. <laughs> a production of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.